This is your official invitation to an event, a happening, a movement, lines of love and unity to celebrate beauty and diversity. Thursday, July 30th, 2020, your local time zone from 12.05 p.m. to 12.35 p.m. Get more information on the Facebook page and the Facebook event and the Facebook group, Lines of Love and Unity to Celebrate Beauty and Diversity. See you there. Welcome to Terrific Tips for Business, where we help you catch the ideas that stick. The point of the podcast is to help you overcome hurdles so you can master your business. I'm your host, Terry Watkins, owner and chief idea catcher at SpinFrogs Consulting, where I work with small business owners to find the pitfalls in their marketing and lift them to success. Let's get to the show. Thank you so much for tuning in to another Terrific Tips for Business, also known as Terrific Tips for Business. Why? Because I'm Terry and I'm your host. And today I'm so excited and thankful to have Lisa Perez with us. She is the founder of HBL Resources and has nearly 30 years of HR experience. Wow, we can learn so much from her. I'm so excited. She's the recipient of the 2020 Silver Stevie Award for Entrepreneur of the Year. Isn't that cool? That's just a cool So cool. <laughs> she is a certified bridge builder trainer who facilitates generational diversity in the workplace, a DISC certified human behavior specialist, and holds two nationally recognized HR certifications. Lisa volunteers for, and I don't know how to pronounce this, Broadward, Broadward, Broward, yeah, Broward, Broward, SCORE, and her local chamber of commerce, Broward County's Kids in the Power of Work, or K-A-P-O-W. Kapow! 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 Exactly. <laughs> Program and the Oasis Church in Pembroke Pines. She also speaks at various conferences, chambers, and associations. She is originally from Brooklyn, New York. She is a wife, a mom, a grandma, and a craft geek, and it's no reason we get along because I'm a crafter too. So I'm so happy to have her on the show today. Please join me in welcoming Miss Lisa. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Terry. I was super excited to do this with you. So thank, thank you for the honor. <laughs> Absolutely. So you've been doing HR for a long time. And yeah. I know a lot of our listeners are small business owners. Some of them haven't had to face any HR challenges yet. So as they're starting to expand their business and they're starting to get into that space where they need to look at having staff, what are some of the pitfalls that they need to look out for? Absolutely. So, you know, I think with any small business, they need to know that there are some things that you have to do before you even hire that first person, right? Getting a federal ID number is critical, right? So that we can do all of the federal tax reporting that's required from a payroll perspective. Obviously, things like getting an unemployment ID number, depending on what state they are in, right? They all, we all have unemployment ID numbers. So that's part of that process as well. So there are probably several steps that go into... You know everything before even having that first conversation and it's really understanding what kind of 
worker you need. Do you need an independent contractor? Can you use one depending on how you're structuring that relationship? Or do you really need an employee? And I think this is where employers trip the biggest wires with what's called misclassification, which could really cost your business big time when you get an independent contractor that really should have been in all intents and purposes an employee. So getting that information, getting that uh, set up, making sure you've got a payroll process, even for yourself as the entrepreneur. You know, if you're a, an S-corp or a corporation, you are an employee of that organization and you need to be on payroll. <laughs> so there's a lot that goes into that question, but hopefully that gives you at least a starting point. I could go on and on and there's a whole two-hour class about that. So. Okay, so there's a class on that, so we should yeah. probably figure out some more information about that class later yeah. on in the conversation. Yeah. But that is a good start in asking your local, uh, your local government officials, maybe talking to your business attorney. Absolutely. Your state might be a good place to start. Absolutely. Your, your business attorney, your CPA would help you out with that. As I mentioned before, SCORE, S-C-O-R-E dot O-R-G. It is a national organization. They're a nonprofit. I volunteer for them. They have free mentor programs. Free. Did I mention that? Or I should say at no cost <laughs> to the user. And I started at that organization as someone who needed mentorship because I was starting my business. And they're a great organization to guide you at every step of your of your startup growth expansion and beyond so definitely a great uh, resource for your listeners and score is national um so lisa is in florida and i am here in winston-salem north carolina and we do have a score here in north Perfect. carolina so it is in every state so yeah mm -hmm. if you're listening to this and you're in the united states and you're going i don't know what to do or where to start mm -hmm. Try yeah. and find a score near you and go talk to one of those mentors because those programs yes. really are beneficial. Very, very valuable. Yeah. So we hear DISC a lot in the small business networking circle. Everybody talks about the DISC profiles and then they're all proud of their DISC like <laughs> results. But at the end of the day, like what do those results mean and how do we actually apply them into our business in a logical way? Oh, absolutely. Thank you for asking that. I've been passionate about DISC for probably about 20 of those 30 years when I actually just fell into it uh, during some of the uh, career development I was doing and it immediately enlightened me in that you know, we all have this unique blend of communication style, right? D-I-S-C. And we're, no one is better or worse than the other. They're just different, right? And we have to value those differences. And we're seeing that more than ever these days, right? So you are a unique blend of each one. And so using and knowing yourself is really the key to building rapport with others. You cannot change anyone else, but you can change yourself to meet the communication need, the motivational need, whatever it is to, to build that rapport and connect from a communication spectrum perspective with that other person, right? If I'm a, and I am a high D, right? Demand, 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 drive, drive, drive. If I'm dealing with someone who's a little bit more laid back, a little bit more steady, takes their time with things, that might make me crazy, right? But knowing this and knowing that that other person requires something different than I am can allow me to adjust my behavior to meet their needs in that way and therefore building better rapport. So I love DISC. I've loved it for, like I said, 20 years. It was no doubt that I would become a certified behavior specialist because of the value that it brings. I mean, you know, and from a personal perspective, it helped me get 
to know my own daughter who was my butterfly child, right? And I'm not that person. I'm tasked and, and driven to finish the list. And, you know, 10 o'clock is 10 o'clock and this and that. And she was completely the opposite. So you can just imagine the clashes that were happening from a personal perspective as well. DISC allowed me to view her and who she was and start to appreciate whoever's across the conversation in a, in a better and unique way, knowing that I can identify that a little bit and not to put people in a box, but to really open up that box, take a look in and see how you can better uh, connect and build rapport. So I, thanks for that question. I think it's a valuable tool and anyone should at least get a DISC assessment, learn a little bit about it and see because they might be butting heads with somebody at work or at home or in their sphere of influence and they're not sure why. It's simply a, a matter of that disconnect between your life priorities, which are tasks or people, right? You're either task-driven or people-driven is the first piece. And then your pace, right? Fast pace or slow pace. Those two things, I mean, come on, we've been in the mall and you're walking behind the person. <laughs> right? Yeah. Clash, right? Just clarifies a lot of that. So I love that. And in what I find the most fascinating about this is we've talked a couple of times on the show about the self-awareness component that's yes. required in being a business owner. Yes. And I feel like DISC is probably the first step in that piece. Yes. You can identify where you fall on the spectrum. And now, mind you, these, these are general classifications. They're not be-all, end-all answers. Right. And you're not going to fit into just one category. Most of the time, there's probably right. going to be a couple that you Those are called blends. So I'm a DS, which means I'm constantly in battle with myself, right? You go diagonal on the, on the spectrum sphere. But um, you're, you're usually two or three. If you're really, really high on one, then, then you just have a lot of those high traits. But you tend to be a blend of all four. And uh, the DISC assessment will tell you that blend and from a business perspective it's helpful because i used to do a workshop for score that was discover effective selling right because you've got to meet the need of that client right if they're fast-paced if they want the bullet point or if they want you know what do they say tell me what time is it not how you built it <laughs> right some of them need that i need it how how's it built and some are just like give me the bullet points give me the bottom line number and how's it going to meet my my goal right so knowing your clients disc style disc behavior communication style helps you tailor your proposals uh maybe somebody just wants one Give me one flat answer and maybe someone like me, give me choices. Give me one or two options that can meet my needs so I can make that selection, right? For those who are more apt to want to make that final decision, right? So DISC is valuable in improving your selling game in a major way because you can modify your conversations, your discussions, your proposals to the needs of that client. Yeah, I have definitely noticed that and I've found inside of my own business, I have to have multiple types of proposals. Mm -hmm. Some people like the phase. They want to know what's the first step, second step. What's implementation step, look like? Right? Yeah, and then sure. other people just want to know what are my package options? Like yeah. A, B, and C, tell me what my packages are and we're going to rock with that. And other people want something that's like much more customized and tailored to their specific like 
this is what it's going to look like for our working relationship. Yeah. And so I found that I'm like, okay, so I need yeah. three different types of proposals. Yep. You're, good. you're no seeing their dis behavior style in action, right? That, that might tell you a little bit about what they need. They want to make the decision. Yeah. They want to see the plan and the process, the implementation. Those tend to be our C's, very analytical process driven people. So yeah, explain to us what is DISC? What does the DISC stand for? And kind of what are some general characteristics that apply to each one? Oh, okay. <laughs> I need my cheat sheet. So the D is the dominant, right? Or also known as the driver. They are very goal-driven. They want to get things done quickly. High task-oriented person, high pace. I like to... Um, compare it to the bull in a china shop, <laughs> right? Bull in a china shop running through, you know, wreaking havoc, right? Because sometimes if you're not in control and not aware of that, you really could run people the wrong way. You might be uh, having people describe you as aggressive or curt or rude. And that's simply because that behavior style, you're not aware of those blind spots. And that could be a blind spot, that bull in a china shop, let's get things done, don't have time for anything else, let's barrel through. And while those traits are important from a project management perspective and getting things done and you know all of those kinds of things, it doesn't build the best rapport, <laughs> right? So you gotta be careful about that and of course your blind spots. Um, however, keep, if you're a high D, you gotta keep it in moderation. Absolutely. You've got to be aware of it, number one, so that you can pull in on the other traits that you do have and be more aware of, okay, this is a time for me not to be this high dominant driver person. Maybe I need to be a little bit more of my analytical or my fun self, right, to bring some fun into a team. And that's why it's so great to have a blend of all in a, in a team environment or in a committee or what have you, because everybody kind of balances each other out. Um, so these are the dominant, the driver, and, and we like to use colors in our training. And so their color is green because they're always on the go, 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 <laughs> you know. And uh, then there's the I, our inspiring types. They are high, you know, fast-paced people as well. So you've got, you know, if you've got the circle, then at the top of the circle is the D and the I, and those are the fast-paced. And so the I, they are fun-loving. They tend to be very fashionable. They tend to be in the know of what's trending. They've got the newest iPhone. They're very much involved with the people side, relationship building. They might be late to your meeting because they were talking too long to someone who they were trying to connect with on the, on the, on the people side, right? Did you get it? So they tend to be all about that relationship and fast pace. They tend to miss some organization tools, right? And so that's how we use the DISC model so that they're aware of that blind spot because we all have them, right? And so their their need is more for structure, right? And that that process because they're, if you've ever seen, you know, or, or heard the butterfly child, the one that just kind of goes around, that's what I call my daughter, my butterfly child, because that's what she does. She just bounces around the world, just sprinkling happy pixie dust all over the place, you know? She's a writer, so they do tend to be creative, but tend to be very in the know of, of what's happening and what's current. Their color is red because they want to put on their red shoes and dance, right? They are a party waiting to happen all, all on their own, right? I used to have a friend that says, yeah, you know, you, you tug on their hair and, you know, party faces pop out. <laughs> so the eyes are inspiring and you definitely want those in your life because they're so much fun. 
And then the S's. The S's are are steady, are stable people. They tend to be great listeners and friends. If you've got somebody in your life who will just go above and beyond and just continue to do, do, do for you because they, they're acts of service type people. They like harmony. They like security. They tend not to like a lot of change. And as you notice, I say tend to, right? Because we don't want to use these sweeping generalizations because they're just tendencies. Some can have those traits. Some might. And so we want to be careful of that. But they tend to be very soft-spoken. They are slower-paced people, people, right? So they're right under the eye in that, in that disc circle. And they're just the best friends. They make the best friends. And so their color is blue. And it's because they really are true blue friends. And um, I've got a true blue S in my life. My son is one of them. My best friend is one of them. So they really are people that go above and beyond. But their blind spot is because of that nature, they tend to be taken advantage of. They've got to learn how to set their boundaries and learn to say no and things of that nature because push too hard, that becomes you know something that they could resent later. So they've got to be careful with what they put on their plate for their friends, family, businesses, things of that nature. They tend to have a little bit of a hard time saying no because of that people side. They don't want to break rapport. They don't want you not to like them because they don't do or don't step up when you might need them. So they've got to learn that that's okay. That builds rapport and that maintains strength in the relationship just as much as doing things for them. So yeah, that's D, that's I, that's S. And the last one is C, our cautious type. Our cautious type are at the bottom of the uh, circle, right under D. They are slow paced people, people, uh, um, task people, my apologies, task people. And they're all about process, value. They really want to understand the why, the who, the what. These are the ones that will question you to death in your proposal process because they need that information to make their decision. So these are the ones that want how to make the watch, not just what's the end result. So you tend to have to spend a little bit more time with them because they keep asking why. And so they're very analytical. They are process thinkers. So anytime you can explain the process, that's going to help them, you know, very much so. And so their color is yellow because it's caution, right? They're, they're going ahead forward. They're going ahead forward slowly so that they don't trip any wires. Well, their blind spot is sometimes you just got to go ahead and, and click go, <laughs> right? Get enough information or give enough information, but ask for that sale. Ask them what more that they need for that sale because they tend to just keep asking, 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 asking. And sometimes their blind spot is pull the trigger already. It's going to be okay, you know, uh, and reassure them that you'll be there at every step of the way to pivot, to change, to modify whatever process needs to, to meet their needs. So that's this for, for a nutshell, but we've got an hour long class, a two hour class, a four hour class and a full day immersion. So you could really just go so many places with it, conflict resolution and team building and motivation. It's, it's, it's really a great, um, I'm a big fan of DISC and it's been a, a game changer in my life, both personally and professionally. I, I love that we were able to walk through that. And you know what's fascinating to me is I took DISC a long time ago. I was a high D, high I. Okay. And when you were walking through the colors, the colors <laughs> of spin frogs are green and red. 
And I didn't even like connect that I'm a high D high I and then my brand colors are green and red. And then my next favorite color is blue. Well, I'm big on the people person side. Yep. S. You know? And so and I do have a hard time. (laughs) I have a hard time with boundaries and setting setting those not boundaries, but more standards. Um, so I actually talk about boundaries and standards in, in one of my mastermind classes that I run a lot because that's a challenge for me and that, that makes a lot of sense. So I'm a high D high I, and I have S tendencies. (laughs) So I'm glad that you're, you're aware of that. And that's, that's critical, right? Because now if you know, you've got these tendencies not to create those boundaries, you know, that you can make some decisions to pull back or, um, you know, modify your behavior because you can't modify anybody else's, but you can introduce them to this. <laughs> That's right. Well, and I'm married to a high C. High C? Mm-hmm. So that helps. That's balance. interesting. <laughs> I have a high C in my life too. Yeah. yeah. And, and my best friends are high S's, but my husband's a high C. So for me, I'm like, I'm like ready to go. And yeah. he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> what time? Where's we going? How are we getting there? <laughs> What's the, which route? Yeah. yeah Love exactly. It. Love it. It's so, so it. important to have that balance though, not just within ourselves, like be aware mm-hmm. of where we are, yeah. but have that balance within our core group of people that support us in our business. Because Absolutely. as business owners, we're not in business. We're A lot of us are in business alone. We're in our mm-hmm. own business but we're not in it alone. We have a core group of people around us, whether it be friends or family, associates, business partners, investors. We have a core group of people who are, who do act as an advisory board, whether we call them that technically or not. And so being able to identify what each person in your circle, in your Mm -hmm. advisory board plays for you Mm -hmm. is really important because then you know when you have a situation, who should you go talk to? Exactly. It's going to help you work through it. Exactly. And sometimes knowing that someone's a complete opposite of you helps to counteract that, right? If you know you're going to be rushed to a decision, maybe you want to take some time to talk to the more process-driven people and say, am I missing something here, right? That's the value of everybody on your team or some people, most people on your team, being having their traits because you can draw on those traits. You know, maybe you were doing a committee and you want to ask your high I friend, how do we make this engaging and fun and relatable to, you know, to have, have to have to do the work, but where can we infuse some, some playfulness here? Where can we, you know, make this a little bit more engaging for the group? And they tend to be the ones that are the go-to for that. So very awesome. mm-hmm. yeah. So share with us a little bit more about your story with human resources consultant. What's been a challenge that you've had to face and how did you kind of work through overcoming it, maybe even leveraging that disc profile? Um, so I think obviously it's a service we provide, right? And being involved in DISC, it's something that we do deliver corporate training for, you know, we'll do a group of managers or a team building or what have you. And so I think one of the biggest challenges has been, so are you talking challenges with DISC and its model or challenges as an entrepreneur or a blend of both? <laughs> challenges as an entrepreneur because you're a business yeah. owner. And yeah. then how did you leverage your skill set to help you get through? That gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. 
so so oh wow how many how long is this because there's a lot of challenges as an entrepreneur right <laughs> there are but let's just pick one yeah so i think one of the biggest challenges that i had was getting out of my own head mm. in that as an employee you know you've got us you've got to check all the time right it, it's a it's a given right i mean but for all things crazy right and so i i didn't value myself in the way an entrepreneur needs to value themselves and their intellectual property right that knowledge in here that that i've invested in right the certifications the education the college degree and all that kind of thing figuring out how to value that and then sticking to that value right knowing that i've got to ask for x amount and that i'm worth x amount that that business that intellectual property the service that i provide is worth that and so you know my dad always taught us you know self praise is no praise at all and that's hard for me to hear my bio read it's hard for me to even have to provide a bio because it I've had a blessed, rewarding, and, and you know, honored career, even in this entrepreneur transition. So it's, it's looking at that history, experience, awards, all those kinds of things and saying, it's okay to be proud of those things. And it's okay to ask for the dollar value that is associated with that. It took me a couple of years to say, no, that, that rate is too low. And, and what I bring to the table and the value I provide for my clients is worth X and, and sticking to that X and saying it confidently, you know? I think that was one of the bigger challenges earlier on. And once I think I got past that, I could confidently um, be in my truth of the person that I am, the consultant that I am, the service provider that I am, and the value that I bring to my clients. So I think that was one of the hardest obstacles uh, because it's in here. You can't go to score and fix this. You can't find a mentor. I mean, you can, you know, to fix this, but the, the flip has to switch on your own that says, wait a minute, it's okay to be proud of what you've been through and who you've become and the knowledge you bring and all of those things. And, and it's okay. You know, so I think that was one of the bigger challenges. And then the second question was regarding this. It was more like how did you weird feedback over um, I was gonna ask, were you able to use disc to help you through the situation? So given the situation was was yourself, that's been my biggest challenge too, is myself, right? Um, people ask the question, what's your biggest challenge? And I'm like, honestly, myself. All in my head. <laughs> all, of your, all in my head. Yeah. Um and I think that's common for most small business owners. So what's something you said, once you got through that, you're able to hold steady to what you are valued, what you feel your value Values. is. Yes. Right. Um, so what was it that you did to get through that? How did you get through that? Because I think that's a challenge a lot of our small business community faces. You know, I think the way I got through that was the fact that there wasn't too much money in the bank for me to pull this gig off, right? <laughs> I mean, that's the reality, right? I had to figure out a way to ensure that I'm, I'm getting the revenues and the incomes to sustain my business. And after three years, you're, you, you doubt yourself and you go, am I doing the right thing? And I'm a, I'm a woman of faith. I'm like checking in and making sure is this what I'm really supposed to be doing? Because it doesn't look like it's going too well. Yet I'm, I'm realizing that the, the challenge isn't me and my services. It's what I'm valuing them at. And that my community, those that I'm serving, are willing to pay for that service in the value that it provides. And so 
I think it was just an internal switch that kind of just went off. I didn't take a course. I couldn't take a, you know, I, I read a few books, right? I mean, I've got books and books on my shelf. You'd either think, wow, she's got it really together or she's really a mess <laughs> because they're, you know, business books and self-help books and all this kind of stuff. But, um, you know, uh, those, those helped get that mindset, like Robert Kiyosaki's book. Um, oh, it just went right out of my head. Uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Rereading that to remind me that I'm no longer an employee. I'm a business owner, and the mindset requires something different. And as you go through that cycle, becoming an investor and, and really scaling your business, and what does that look like? Those are those are decisions, those are mindsets that have to be different. So I think those two things, you know, I did, you know, looking at the bank accounts and saying, listen, this isn't worth X, Y, Z. Um, I was getting paid, you know, more, more, you know, when I, and now I've got overhead and insurance and this and that. That's part of business cost, right? So making that shift and rereading some key pieces of how to switch that entrepreneur, employee to entrepreneur mindset um, made it a little bit more real. Do you have a practice? Oh, I'm wondering oh. if this microphone and where it's positioned today. I'm sorry about the feedback. No worries. Uh, is there a practice that you do on a regular basis that helps you keep that mindset clear and helps keep you in that employer entrepreneur mindset instead of slipping into? Because it's easy to slip into an employee mindset, especially if you're. A business owner who's in startup yeah. mode. You're under five years old. You're still in startup mode. If you're anything under five, how do you prevent yourself from slipping into the "I've got to do the work" day to day employee mode yeah. and keep yourself focused on that? I continue to remind myself that my dreams are too small. I, I mentioned I'm a woman of faith, so taking time to quiet your mind and just be still. That's an important thing for grounding me on a personal level, right? Devotional time and all that. But making sure that I don't lose sight of the fact that truly my dreams are too small and I've got to think bigger. And once you start to think bigger, you make the steps to achieve that. I remember I was talking to my daughter just yesterday <clears throat> about wanting to speak at the National Society for Human Resource Management Conference. And many, many years ago, I had attended the conference, sat in on a session, listened to the speaker. And while she was good, I thought, well, I know that stuff. I could do that one day. And so, you know, getting on the speaker trail many years ago, mostly with my business, which is now going to be in its ninth year in August, um, doing, yeah, I know it's so exciting, doing what I needed to do to have that first engagement that was only 10 people and at my chamber and to the next one, the next one, the next one, until I was at HR Florida two years later, and then the next one, and the next one. And I'm fortunate that this year I was selected to be at Sherm National in San Diego. Obviously, with the times that there are, I, I wasn't able to go, but they've pivoted and they're doing it virtual, so I'll be able to do that. If it hadn't been for the thought of that dream, um, planted in my head and making the steps, because you can have a dream and then do nothing for it, and then you're not going to get it, right? That's just a wish. <laughs> That's what they say, right? So dream big. If you're an entrepreneur in your first, second, third year, do not be confined to where you think your business can be today. Where do you think it can be in the future? And then what are you doing every day towards that? 
It could be reading a book. It could be listening to your podcast for encouragement. It could be whatever it is, but do something every day towards that goal, towards that dream, and then dream bigger. I love it. It's yeah. so true. We do need to learn how to dream bigger and keep dreaming. You've Absolutely. hit Okay, so you've hit that big, hairy, audacious goal to do that really awesome thing that you wanted to do. Now what? Well, if you, if you forget to dream, yes, then you start to backslide. Correct. Right. So we've got to keep dreaming, keep dreaming. And, and that's also, you know, for those who aren't dreamers, right? Because we have to talk to those individuals on the disc spectrum that are more the realists and the realistics, right? Where else can you see to scale your business? How else? Because I my HBL resources started as me just being an HR consultant and just answering the questions and, and meeting the needs of small business. Well, now I'm writing a book and now it's going to be this. And now I'm thinking, wow, I could have trainers out there duplicating my efforts and delivering the training, right? Creating my next engine of training to, to really eradicate this, this business, lack of management training skills, soft skills. And, and so now I'm like, Ooh, yeah, no, I could, I, it doesn't have to be me going all over the country. Although anybody out there, I'm happy to train in Fiji, Bora Bora, any of those places, that's fine. But where else can I go with it? Right. Who else can I bring into? Exactly. I'll take you with me. Bring the frog. That's right. <laughs> and, and, and so that was a, an idea that just came in the last two or three years. Why? Because I took time to see where else can it be scaled? Where else can it grow? Call it dream or call it scale. It doesn't matter. Just do it. Take time to do that for your business. So you touched on a really good point there and we talked about it briefly before we turned the video on. So I want to kind of go back and readdress that. You mentioned um, the lack of training, the lack of management training. And that is something that's talked about a lot in the um, employee space. Good employees don't leave the business. They leave bad managers, right? So talk to us a little bit about that. What's your philosophy on that? And, and your mission is obviously to change that. So I want to hear a little more about it. Yeah, not just change, eradicate. <laughs> I'm really focused on that. So being in HR the 30 years that I have, I have consistently seen, you know, the Gallup polls and all of these organizations that, you know, staff, staffing management associations and surveys uh, continue to put out the statistics that employees don't leave companies, they leave their bad managers, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm of the opinion that there aren't bad managers. They're simply untrained and don't know how else to. So the statistics, being in HR the 30 years that I have been, I've seen statistic after statistic, survey after survey, continue to point to the fact that employees don't leave their companies, they leave bad managers, right? 25%, uh, you know, say, you know, they would stay 35% are leaving 40, and bigger numbers than that, right? I'm just kind of thinking out quickly. And, and it hasn't changed. It hasn't changed much. And I'm wondering why not? Who's doing something about this phenomenon and why aren't we fixing it? Because we do see higher productivity, higher revenues for employers and organizations where engagement is high. People love to stay. They're connected and engaged. Why aren't we tackling this with a passion? And so it, I've made it my personal mission to start to see 
some legwork being done to train our managers and how to do the soft skill side, how to have the conversations that still need to be had, still have to improve performance. You still may need to say someone can't work there anymore, but it's how we have that conversation that either motivates or demotivates our employees to do better and to have respect for us still and to have uh, be encouraged to, to do and, and achieve and, be motivated by the words we say, right? And so it's like I said, that vinegar versus honey, right? Honey versus vinegar. And so that's my mission. And I want to impact corporate America. I want to impact that individual person whose company is not investing in them. They can invest in themselves for a small, you know, investment, right? Invest in yourself. So I'm, I'm on a mission because it's, it's time that we change that paradigm and it's time to make sure that the manager that we are promoting because they make a great burger or they make a great widget or they're so good at their job has the skills and tools to be an effective leader, manager, have the tough conversations and do that, but do so successfully so their employees won't leave. Yeah. And that's a big thing, especially right now. I don't know if you've seen in the news recently about um, different organizations I'm not going to call any names because that could get controversial. <laughs> yeah. Um, but different organizations that are promoting based on sex, sexual orientation, skin tones, um, and not based on merit, skill, and ability. They're doing it because they need to fulfill a certain percent of their company being that demographic profile. Uh -huh. um, how does that affect a company – that those requirements of, of making sure they have a certain demographic mix within their organization, how does that affect an organization's decision or ability to do that promotion process? And should it? Or is that something that shouldn't even be considered? So, you know, I mean, that's a big question because you've got some organizations and industries that are required to ensure that their workforce is diverse and, and as diverse as the community in which they serve, okay? And that's, you know, we could talk about affirmative action, we could talk about all those things and the pros and the cons and are you for it or against it and all of that. But I think regardless of any programs, that whether you're required or not, there is value in diversity. Just like we spoke about DISC and the importance of having a, that D, that I, that S, and C at the table so that we are looking at things from all of those different perspectives and, and, and ways that people think and behave and communicate, that's value in that diversity. It's no different when we're looking at promoting into leadership those individuals who must be qualified. Why? Because we're training those people to be qualified in those roles that we're giving them, but that they do bring that value in that different perspective, that different work experience, that different life experience that can help the leadership of that organization be the best it can be. Why? I've got the different perspectives, right? I've got someone who might be in the LGBT community to help me strategize and create product, service, marketing, all of those kinds of things. I've got someone that's African-American and I'm half black, so I say black, <laughs> right? I've got someone of multi-race and I've got someone who's a woman and I've got a man and I've got this mix. There's value in that diversity. 
that is strength. And uh, again, statistics do show the more diverse, diversity inclusion that you have at the top and all levels of your organization, the stronger you are. But you've also got to embrace that too. It's not just, oh, let's check a box. It's how are we engaging these various um, constituents these various, uh, they used to call them employee resource groups, right? <laughs> How am I engaging them to get the insight, the information, the perspective that they bring to the table, not just have them as a checkbox, you know, but really engage them in the conversations towards your marketing, services, products, all of those kinds of things. So there's, there's strength and diversity for sure. That really probably comes down to the core culture of the organization. If your culture is one that values... Yeah opportunity and perspective and challenges yes tell you those things yes and you're going to be an organization that says okay sally you we want to groom you to yeah. be a manager you're not a manager right now correct but we're going to spend this time with you as an employee to teach you some of the things that you're going to need yes we can teach skills we can teach leadership right yes but we can't teach, we can't teach human, like we can't teach somebody who doesn't like dealing with people how to enjoy dealing with people. Correct. Correct. And that's why, <laughs> yes, no, absolutely. You've got to uh, lead in your strengths, right? Um, I did a, a course uh, leading from true north, right? What is your true north? Who are you fast paced people oriented? Don't put someone who's all about people behind a computer all day, <laughs> right? They will hate themselves. Versa, right? What do they love to do? Find the job that they love to do and put them in it and you will be golden, right? Why do you, you know, and, and that's the employment and, and recruitment process. Who are you looking for? What are the traits of that position? What are, what are the essential functions? Find the person with that essential function. And I used to be in hospitality 20 of my 30 years and it was always hire the smile, train the skill. That was my motto, my philosophy. I will train you how to check in and check out and this and that and make a drink and blah, blah, blah. But you cannot train the smile that, that is innate, right? And that's okay. We don't all smile and butterfly around and are happy all day and, you know. No, it takes a mix of all of us, right? We are a beautiful blend of people and, and we've got to manage to that person's strength. We've got to lead towards that person's strength. That's a firm foundation. That's not quicksand, right? That's building your organization on a firm foundation. I think that's why it's so important for companies to do SWOT analysis. Yes. Because a SWOT analysis is going to analyze those strengths, those weaknesses, those opportunities, and those threats. And a lot of times we think about SWOT analysis purely from the marketing perspective, mm -hmm. but it really is a, a cultural organizational whole. You have mm -hmm. to do a SWOT analysis on every individual, on every department, because we, you've got to hire for your weaknesses and you've got to lead from your strengths. Exactly, exactly. I love and the concept yes. of, of hire the smile, train the skill. If you need the smile, right? If you need a, a widget maker, the smile is not important. You need somebody with fast hands, who's analytical, who's um, detail oriented and, and, and those kinds of things, right? What does the job require? Find the skill set that matches that. Find a person with the skill set that matches that. Because we don't, you know, if I'm on a computer all day taking phone calls, yeah, I need to smile through the voice, right, through, through, my, through my sound. But if it's, you know, data analytics, 
you don't need most of that. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's nice when you're engaging in teamwork and all of that, but they need to be analytical, thought thinkers, process thinkers, detail oriented, right? That that kind of thing. So just helps that. And we actually have a product that helps what's the job, what kind of profile do you want? And then of course they use the profile in their pre-employment process to help match that. So there's ways to do it. You know, there's strength finders, there's this, there's, you know, so many ways. And that's one part of the puzzle, right? I'm always like, gut check is your best bet, right? That human connection, not some report or assessment or test or this or that. That's part of the process. You've got to think of it as one part of the whole process. Yeah. That's so awesome. Lisa, this has been amazing. I know we can keep talking for a while longer. You like it, right? I know. We have so much that we can talk about and you've had so many amazing nuggets in this conversation. I so appreciate your wisdom and your knowledge. So honored to be on your show. I really, it's been great. It's been great. Awesome. So I have one more question for you. Sure. Um, now's a great time to share with us the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you. Maybe they're dealing with an HR issue or maybe they're getting ready to bring on a team of people. They've expanded. This COVID situation has allowed them to put certain processes yes. in place. Now they're ready to hire the people to fulfill those. So what's going to be the best way for them to get in touch with you? And do you have anything that you want to offer them? Sure. So right now I am working on a couple of things, but the best way for them to get a hold of me is through my website and I'll say my phones or the website's hblresources.com and HBL Home Business Life, hblresources.com. And my number is 954-249-1202 and I pick up my own phone. <laughs> okay. And then I'd love to offer your readers or your listeners rather an opportunity to connect with us at thecompletemanagermakeover.com, right? This mission that I'm on to train managers properly. We're also uh, focused on business owners knowing, right, the HR pieces, the compliance pieces, how to have the tough conversations. And so we're going to be launching a massive nationwide membership campaign. And they can get connected with that to support their uh, services to support their organizations and we go from zero employees all the way up to 150 employees on some of those offerings and service offerings so I would encourage them to get on to thecompletemanagermakeover.com sign up for information because we will actually be launching that um, it, in June, June 15th as a matter of fact another one in July and a final in August on August 13th so that's the best way. Awesome. Really exciting. And I know that this podcast is probably going to air in July because that's my time frame. So with that in mind, the second one launches in July, the third one launches in August. So for our listeners, if you feel like, oh crap, I missed it. You didn't. <laughs> you didn't miss it. <laughs> yes. get, get on the list now. You will see uh, the two offerings in July and August. Definitely the one in August for sure. Awesome. awesome. Lisa, this has been awesome. I'm so glad to have had you here. Thank oh, my you pleasure. again for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you've enjoyed the show, help us share it by leaving us a review. Also, make sure to follow us at SpinFrogs, that's S-P-I-N-F-R-O-G-S, at Facebook and Instagram to be notified about our future episodes. This is your official invitation 
to an event, a happening, a movement, lines of love and unity to celebrate beauty and diversity. Thursday, July 30th, 2020, your local time zone from 12.05 p.m. to 12.35 p.m. Get more information on the Facebook page and the Facebook event and the Facebook group, Lines of Love and Unity to Celebrate Beauty and Diversity. See you there.